You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Paranormal Pets is brought to you by 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. 1-800-PET-MEDS is your best source for pet medications, vitamins, supplements, and pet supplies. Get great savings, fast service, and free shipping. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash paranormal to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back because you don't have a cat and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, our ghost host. Hello, and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I'm your host, Brandy Stark, and provided that uh, the pug pack will let me do this, I am going to try and create our next episode of Paranormal Pets with a special focus for Halloween. Uh, as we continue to approach that... Uh, greatest of holidays, we are looking at the darker side of animal nature. So last episode, we checked out spectral dogs, the kind you don't want to meet, not the good kind that I talk about on the show a lot. And I thought, you know, it's kind of interesting because we have never done a paranormal horse show. And yet horses are remarkably supernatural, and they are listed as one of the top supernatural animals out there. So I thought that uh, for this episode, we would feature a little bit of horse lore, taking a look at some of the more interesting attributes attributed to a horse, and just see where it goes from here. So we'll actually get started with this right after these messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Paranormal Pets is brought to you by Petco.com. Petco is a leading specialty retailer of premium pet food supplies and services, offering more than 10,000 high-quality pet-related products. Enter the code PARANORMAL10, PARANORMAL, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City. 
with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. We are going to actually start off with an entry on horses. Now, I will tell you that, as with last episode, I was rather inspired for this one by the Element Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Hauntings by Teresa Chang. As I went through the book, uh, they actually did talk a little bit about animal ghosts, and one of them uh, that they mentioned was simply an entry on horses. So according to this encyclopedia, the horse is a sacred and revered animal around the world. They have been associated with the mystical, spiritual, and paranormal for centuries. The Celts believed horses carried souls to the underworld. In the Hindu book, the horse is symbolized as the cosmos. The Greek goddess Aphrodite, Artemis, and Demeter were associated with horses. In various shamanic cultures, the horse is a mystical symbol, and in witchcraft lore, horses are vulnerable to bewitchment. According to psychiatrist Carl Jung, the horse represents the intuitive part of humanity, and in dreams, the horse is often thought to be an archetypical symbol of the human body. Along with cats and dogs, horses are believed to be the most popular psychic animal. There are many stories of horses sensing danger and saving their riders. In the late 1920s, an American horse named Lady mystified psychical researchers with her reputed ability to tap out precognitive messages that allegedly predicted the entry of the United States and the Soviet Union into World War II and the presidential victory of Harry Truman. That's one talented horse. So as we did a little research, as I continued actually through this book, I was further directed in my studies by an entry on the Kelpie. According to this, the Kelpie are treacherous water spirits from Scottish folklore that are thought to inhabit every lake and stream. According to myth, Kelpie are a death omen when seen in the shape of a horse or a shaggy-looking man. In the shape of a horse, it is said that they appear grazing peacefully on riverbanks. They lure travelers to mount them and then plunge their victims into the water, where they drown them and eat them, save their livers, which float to the surface. Fairy horses are known throughout the British Isles and Ireland by many names, including the Irish Puka and the Scottish Kelpie. These beings are believed to be fairy shapeshifters with the ability to take on both human and equine countenance. Even when they are in the guise of an animal, they possess full command of the human language and can therefore speak. It has been suggested that the fairy steeds are all that remains of a pre-Christian equestrian cult, but it is likely that these are similar creatures, such as the Loch Ness Monster, that inhabit the lakes, locks, and rivers, and seas of the world are perhaps the mechanism people have used for centuries to keep children away from the dangers of the water's edge. Now, I do apologize because it appears that my pugs are going to help me punctuate the story with very, very specialized sound effects. So, uh, please just bear with. Uh, the Stark family has had an acquisition. Uh, I'm sorry to say we lost Iliad to old age and uh, we gained Pandora. 
due to apparently some sort of weakness. <laughs> so there is now a 12-week-old puppy running around while I'm trying to record. But the Kelpies, I thought, were actually quite an interesting little creature, and I thought that they would probably be worthy of additional research. Now, what I did find is that in doing research, there's not a lot out there on demon horses. I did learn, however, there is a band called the Demon Horse, which uh, I actually uh, did not know. But what we're going to do is we're going to actually check out one decent entry that I found online on the Kelpies. And I, you know, I'm a little jealous of the British. <laughs> I gotta say that. They have some really, really excellent demon animals out there. So the site is under Baronage. It's called Curiosity Corner, and you can find it at www.baronage.co.uk. And I will include the links with the show summary just so that you guys have something to go by if you'd like to do more research on this. The Kelpie. According to this website, when Mary Queen of Scots escaped in a small boat from the castle of Loch Leven, her savior, a youngster named William Douglas, having locked the castle gates behind him, threw the keys into the loch's waters, an action celebrated by poet Robert Adams. Those ponderous keys shall the Kelpies keep and lodge in their caverns dark and deep. But what are the Kelpies? Kelpies are water horses and are often pictured as such, but in reality they can assume any shape appropriate to an immediate purpose. Therefore, identification is difficult. The origins of the Kelpie are contentious. As their masters claim to be the devil, they are sometimes said to be spawned in hell, but there is no evidence to support this. On the other hand, their habitat is certain they live in lochs in the deep pools of the Scottish River. It is said by some writers that Kelpies are merely quarrelsome women in disguise and that they can pull fishermen from boats and drown them. But others believe that they are more than this. In Bladenoch, it is reliably reported that a young man was courted by an extremely beautiful but strange woman who permitted him whatever he desired. Night after night, she entranced him until once in her ecstasy she neighed like a horse. In a flash, she drew his knife from his stocking top and stabbed her repeatedly until, as she expired, her beautiful body was transformed into that of a gray kelpie covered in green slime. And I do like the author's footnote. Young people everywhere should take heed of this cautionary tale, but sadly, they won't. There have been many such incidences. A lock near the church of Trissad on the Isle of Skye was the haunt of a Kelpie that adopted the shape of a young man to abduct and seduce young women before galloping off with them into the lock. It is claimed locally that this stopped only on the day when, misled by the billowing supplice of a priest, it seized him by mistake and was converted to Christianity. Well, I guess that would stop a demonic hell-spawned horse. The picture that they post on the site actually shows this lovely young woman, and uh, it is kind of interesting. It's from a famous divorce case at the end of the 19th century. Uh, it is included here in case any reader might doubt that Kelpies can make themselves appear as extraordinarily beautiful and in the many stories that claim that they do. So, as we continue on, I find this very interesting. This was an unusual twist, and this is basically the first time I've ever read this theory. Although most stories concern Kelpies in human form, they will occasionally take the shape of a beautiful horse, both on land and in water. When so, they are richly accoutred, and this is how they are, dis uh, they are displayed in heraldry, as the picture at the top of the page shows. So, for those of you who don't have this picture, 
it looks a little bit like a hippocamp or hippocampus. That the top half is a horse, the bottom half is a fish, and it is a beautiful, beautiful picture. The most famous Kelpie is probably the one in the Loch Ness that amuses itself by metamorphosizing into an imitation monster, much to the benefit of the local tourist industry. True to the modus operandi of Kelpies seducing young men and women, it appears to only one person at a time. There is no instance of any Kelpies being seen by more than one surviving witness. So apparently, the Loch Ness monster, the true secret of the Loch Ness monster, is that it is a Kelpie, and I. You know, I can't say that it isn't true. I just think that is a really, really neat theory. What a great way to tie Nessie to paranormal pets. That's perfect. So, uh, we've got the Kelpie. Uh, we know that the horse is supernatural. But there are a few other forms of supernatural horses out there. This actually comes from the Phantoms and Monsters website at http naturalplane.blogspot.com backslash 201007 legendary humanoids tickbalang dash demon dot html so I thought this would be kind of interesting this is a blog but it's very well written from July of this year and it talks about a legendary humanoid called the tickbalang the demon horse some mythical creatures have their origin and tradition and tales from the distant past However, each culture is associated with a multitude of interesting and odd creatures. Many of these beings are humanoid. One of these many legendary humanoids is the Tikbalang. The Tikbalang, many different spellings are used, translates as demon horse. It is a creature of Philippine folklore said to lurk in the mountains and forests of the Philippines. It is generally described as a tall, bony humanoid creature with disproportionately long limbs to the point that its knees reach above its head when it squats down. It has the head and feet of an animal, most commonly a horse. It has been compared to that half-man, half-horse centaur from Greek mythology. It travels at night to rape female mortals who will then give birth to more tikbalang. It is sometimes believed to be a transformation of an aborted fetus which has been sent to earth from limbo. Tikbalangs are very playful with people. They usually make a person imagine things that aren't real. Sometimes a tikbalang will drive a person crazy. Legend says that when rain falls while the sun is shining, a pair of tikbalangs are being wed. Since horses only arrived in the Philippines uh, during the Spanish invasion, there is a theory that the image of the half-horse, half-man creature was propagated by the conquistadors to keep the natives afraid of the night. There are stories claiming that the tikbalang are actually half-bird, half-man creatures, much like the Japanese tengu. A traveler who finds himself lost and suspects that a tikbalang is leading him astray may counter it by wearing his shirt inside out. Another countermeasure is to verbally ask permission to pass by or to avoid making too much noise while in the woods so as not to offend or disturb the tikbalang. Folklore says that one can tame a tikbalang and compel it to be one's servant by plucking three golden hairs from its mane. There are also stories where a tikbalang asks its intended prey a riddle. Someone who manages to answer correctly will be rewarded with a pot of gold. Other legends depict the tikbalang as a monster of the night with eyes that glow red. This version of the tikbalang casts it as a fearsome creature, a real danger to people. It is believed that when it is angered, and it is easily angered, it stomps on people with its hooves until they die. In these tales, the tikbalang are always accompanied by the stench of burning hair and smokes great big cigars. 
It is said that delirious town folk who have stumbled their way into town after a long absence tell of how an apparition resembling a tickbalang pushed and slapped them, often knocking them over and not allowing them to right themselves, all the while shaking with nervous, childish giggling. People say that the cessation of resistance or protest will suddenly lead a victim to find themselves alone in the woods, plunged into darkness, the sun long set. The path home, recalled by the few who return after a disappearance, is hampered by a severe sense of disorientation and a forest that seems to curl in on itself repeatedly. Very interesting. So another such creature that you might want to avoid. Now if we move into America, Interestingly enough, I just thought I would include this because I've actually seen this particular creature. It's actually called the Demon Mustang of Denver, and even though it's not necessarily spectral, it is art-related, and I have actually heard that the Demon Mustang moves, and this is located actually at the Denver International Airport, which... I have been to, and I did learn, is supposedly quite haunted by the spirits of Native Americans because the airport was built on Native American land slash cemetery, and the spirits continue to haunt the area. I do seem to recall a show that actually talked about the Denver airport also being in very bad feng shui. So take your pick, but it's kind of interesting. This article is from squidoo.com backslash DIA underscore Mustang. It is actually a rather impressive site. Basically it says, Scandalous Fiberglass Sculpture at DIA by Luis Jimenez. The sculpture Mustang was created by New Mexico's Luis Jimenez. It would come to rest outside of DIA 12 years late, $350,000 over budget, and guilty of murdering its creator. Whether you like the sculpture or not, it is notable. I first saw it in daylight and was taken aback by the garish blue color. It looks like a giant plastic toy. Then I drove past it one night and was stunned. Nicknames like Blucifer and Satan Stallion make sense when you see those burning red eyes glaring at you through the darkness. The public debate over Mustang places people in three general camps. Those who think it's scary, ugly, and outrageous, and those who appreciate the emotional and visual impact. And then those who like it because so many other people hate it. I'm not sure which camp I belong to in the public debate. I think that it's both ugly and scary. I really don't like the artistic elite telling me why I should love the possessed, angry sculpture. But the thing is fun to look at, and it's fun to hear about. And it does say, just make sure small children don't get a good look at it at night. Interestingly enough, Denver International Airport commissioned the sculpture in 1992. In 1997, a smaller, more subtle version of the horse named Mastanino, I think, is displayed at the University of Oklahoma's Art Museum. After an uproar, the sculpture is finally accepted when moved to a more out-of-the-way location. In 2001, the city of Denver had originally planned to place the sculpture on the main road to the airport, but changed the location to inside. 2003, because of delays, Denver sues Jimenez for its $165,000 deposit and completed parts of the horse. Jimenez fires back with the suit because the city wants the sculpture inside the terminal to save costs. Originally, the sculpture was to be set in a park-like surrounding. Both lawsuits would be dismissed. 2004 July, the city comes to terms with Jimenez. 
The sculpture would be placed outside. He would meet in October 2005 as the deadline and would receive the remaining $135,000. 2005, Jimenez missed the next three deadlines. 2006, the artist is killed while hoisting a piece of the Mustang's torso. The torso swung out of control and fell on him, severing a leg artery. Jimenez's sons, Aiden and Orion, along with professional low-rider painters Richard Lovato and Camille Nunez, finished the work. So this horse really is a killer. 2007, October 13th, the city takes control of the statue and ships it to California, where Sacramento-based Chrysler and Associates completes repairs, upgrading wiring for the eyes, and strengthens the internal steel structure. The detours, repairs, and dedication of the work adds $350,000 to the price tag. 2008, the blue Mustang sculpture is installed at Denver International Airport. 2009, an outcry against the sculpture is ignored by the city of Denver. The city's policy is that all art exhibits have a five-year set period. This means the earliest that the Mustang can move is 2013. It is 32 feet tall, weighs 9,000 pounds. It is painted fiberglass over a steel frame on top of concrete slab with steel bolts. The eyes are red LED lights, and、uh, the original cost was 300,000, and the final cost was 650,000. So it's、uh, it's actually a pretty remarkable piece. If you go to this website, which again I will include with the show description, you can actually see some rather intriguing shots of the statue being installed. Now, when I went to Denver, I didn't realize all of the pandemonium about this particular piece, but I do remember reading that the demon horse was supposed to be haunted, and perhaps it's supposed to be haunted by the artist himself. So, if you'd actually like to go ahead and see it. Feel free. Head out to Denver International Airport. Personally, I think it's a really beautiful piece. I'm not so fond of the throbbing veins, but the way that it's painted, I think it's supposed to be something like a semblance of the sky or the notion of freedom. And I'm afraid I'm one of those snobby art types that will tell you that you're supposed to like the art. So there we go. We will actually pause here for some commercial messages, and when we get back, we'll take a look. At one or two more mystery ghost horse stories out there, we'll be right back. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors: Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes, and it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24/7 on the internet at petplanetmagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi. Candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or three five two three nine four eight five seven eight. It's out of this world. 
Paranormal Pets is brought to you by Pet Care Rx, America's most affordable pet pharmacy. Pet Care Rx offers the same meds as top vets, but with a savings up to 50%. And if you find a lower price on a certified EPA and FDA approved medication, Pet Care Rx will match that price. So go to PetCareRx.com. Use promo code PARANORMAL10. P-A-R-A-N-O-R-M-A-L, the number 10, and receive $10 off orders of $50 or more. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. For this last little segment, we are going to take a look at a couple uh, of other horse demon stories. The one that uh, I like to take a look at one more time takes us back to the UK. We're looking at the magic of mythology, fairy lore, the puka entry, which is located at www.shee-eire.com. So I will again include this link. But we've got the puka. The puka is a type of Irish hobgoblin which can appear in many different shapes and forms. Usually he has red eyes or some sort of fire-breathing property. He also appears in the shape of a dark-colored large animal resembling a horse or a pony or even a very large goat. Sometimes he appears as a giant bull with eyes and nostrils gleaming fire. He has even been described as a very large eagle-like creature, uh, such as the great winged rock of the legends of Sinbad in the Arabian Nights. The time of year particularly associated with the puka is Samhain or Halloween, the last day of October. This is the time when the Celts believe the barrier between our material world and the other world is at its weakest. The puka usually crept up silently behind its victims, and if he succeeded in getting his head between the victim's legs, they were whisked up on his back. Then he could take his victims anywhere, to the highest peak or the lowest depths, or to any place on the face of the earth. In the Gaelic, the puka is sometimes called the Granach, the hairy one. And I apologize to any Gaelic listeners because I'm sure my pronunciation is terrible. Many place names are derived from this creature. In Cork, there are two places called Carnic Puka, the puka's rock. One is near Donnerail and the other is near Macroom. Uh, more famously is the Pole of Puka, the puka's cavern in uh, Wicklow County. There's also a Carn and Natural Cave in Clopoke, the name deriving from the Gaelic clock, and Pika, meaning Stone of the Puka, in County Laos. There is also a Cloken, a stone structure, on Inishmore, the Aran Island off of Galway Coast, which is called the Clochran of Phoenicia. And again, I do apologize. So, 
this site actually has some decent uh, stories, myths, and legends about the puka, and I thought we might feature one or two, depending on how much time we have left. Alright, this is called The Spirit Horse. The history of Morty Sullivan ought to be a warning to all young men to stay at home and to live decently and soberly if they can, and not to go roving around the world. Morty, when he had just turned 14, ran away from his father and mother, who were a mighty respectable old couple, and many, many a tear they shed on his account. It is said they both died heartbroken for his loss. All they ever learned about him was that he went on board a ship bound to America. Thirty years after the old couple had been laid peacefully in their graves, there came a stranger to Beerhaven inquiring after them. It was their son Morty, and to speak truth of him, his heart did seem full of sorrow when he heard that his parents were dead and gone. But what else could he expect to hear? Repentance generally comes when it's too late. Morty Sullivan, however, as an atonement for his sins, was recommended to perform a pilgrimage to the blessed chapel of St. Gobnet, which is in a wild place called Bally Verney. This he did readily, and willingly to lose no time, commenced his journey in the same afternoon. He had not proceeded many miles before the evening came on. There was no moon, and the starlight was obscured by a thick fog which ascended from the valleys. His way was through the mountainous country, and many cross paths and byways were there, so it was difficult for a stranger like Morty to travel without a guide. He was anxious to reach his destination, and exerted himself to do so, but the fog grew thicker and thicker, and at last he became doubtful if the track he had was leading to the blessed chapel of the saint. But seeing a light which he imagined not to be far off, he went towards it, and when he thought himself close to the light, suddenly seemed as if it was at a great distance twinkling dimly through the fog. The Morty felt some surprise at this. He was not disheartened, for he thought that it was a light sent by the holy saint to guide him to the mountain of her chapel. And thus did he travel for many a mile continuously, as he believed, approaching the light, which would suddenly start off at a great distance. At length he came so close as to perceive that the light came from a fire, seated beside which he saw an old woman then indeed his faith was a little shaken and much did he wonder that both the fire and the old woman should travel before him so many weary miles and over such uneven roads in the holy name of pious Gobnet and her preceptor saint abram said morty how can that burning fire move so fast before me who can that old woman be sitting beside the moving fire these words had no sooner passed Morty's lips than he found himself without taking another step close to this wondrous fire, beside which the old woman was sitting munching her supper. With every wag of the woman's jaw, her eyes would roll fiercely upon Morty, as if she were angry at being disturbed. And when he saw, with more astonishment than ever, that her eyes were neither black nor blue nor gray nor hazel like the human eye, but of a wild red color like the eyes of a ferret, if before he wondered at the fire, much greater was his wonder at the old woman's appearance. Then stout-hearted as he was, he could not but look upon her with fear, judging and judging rightly that it was for no good purpose her supping in so unfrequented a place and at so late an hour, for it was near midnight. She said not one word, but munched and munched away while Morty looked at her in silence. What's your name? at last demanded the old hag, a sulphurous puff coming out of her mouth her nostrils distending and her eyes growing redder than ever when she had finished her question. Plucking up all of his courage, Morty Sullivan replied, He at your service, meaning the latter words only in civility. Rubbish, said the old woman, we shall soon see that. And the red fire of her eyes turned into a pale green color, bold and fearless as Morty was, yet much did he tremble at hearing this dreadful exclamation. 
he would have fallen down on his knees and prayed to St. Gomnet or any other saint, for he was not particular, but he was so petrified with horror that he could not move in the slightest way, much less go down on his knees. "'Take hold of my hand, Morty,' said the old woman. "'I'll give you a horse to ride that will soon carry you to your journey's end.' So saying, she led the way, the fire going before them. It is beyond mortal knowledge to say how, but on it went, shooting out bright tongues of flame and flickered fiercely. Presently they came to a natural cavern in the side of the mountain, and the old hag called aloud in a most discordant voice for her horse. In a moment, a jet-black steed started from the gloomy stable, the rocky floor whereof rung with the echo of clanging hoofs. "'Mount, Morty, mount!' cried she, seizing him with supernatural strength and forcing him upon the back of the horse. Morty, fighting human power of no avail, muttered, "'Oh, that I had spurs and tried to grasp the horse's mane, but he caught at a shadow. It nevertheless bore him up and bounded forward with him, now springing down a fearful precipice, now clearing the rugged bed of a torrent and rushing like the dark midnight storm through the mountains. The following morning... Morty Sullivan was discovered by some pilgrims who came by that way after taking their rounds at the Barra, lying flat on his back under a steep cliff, down which he had been flung by the puka. Morty was severely bruised by the fall, and it is said he swore on that spot by the hand of a Sullivan, and that is no small oath, never again to take a full quart of bottle of whiskey with him on a pilgrimage. So, for our last very quick little entry. We're going to take a, a little listen to the Wild Hunt. Now, the Wild Hunt actually mixes horses with others, but it is a very, very famous legend, so I thought it might be worth a, a read. And this comes from the Element Encyclopedia. Spectral nocturnal processions of huntsmen, ghosts of the dead, horses, and hounds are in the Wild Hunt. The huntsmen are said to be spirits of the dead, and as they fly overhead, the spectral dogs often set off howling of the earthly dogs below. In the legend of the Wild Hunt, it is found all over northern England and northern Europe and has its origins in Norse and Teutonic mythology, where the god Odin, or Woden, in the guise of a huntsman, rides across the sky with a pack of spectral hounds bringing death or disaster to all who watch him pass. The Wild Hunt has several leaders, both male and female. In British lore, the hunt is sometimes led by Hearn the Hunter, or simply the Devil. In the lore of northern Germany, it is often led by Holda, goddess of the hearth and motherhood. And in southern Germany, it is led by Bertha, or Diana. So if you happen to see some horses with some very scary-looking riders and a pack of hounds hot on your heels, definitely get out of the way. So at this point, I hope that you've enjoyed a few of these supernatural ghost tales from around the world, and uh, maybe we can explore this theme a little bit further on. I know at least one or two other ghost stories that I might be able to pull together for an episode. So with this in mind, I will remind you all once again to continue to support your local animal rescues. Pug Rescue of Florida, as always, has pugs in need of adoption please check out their site. Uh, you can Google Pug Rescue of Florida and the site will come up. Otherwise, I wish you a very happy and haunted Halloween. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. 
step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.